Today, I'm joined by Dafina Maloska, who reached out to share her story. Hi, Dafina. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You reached out on Instagram and you said, look, I have a story. I want to share it because I feel like my story can help so many women. And I read it and I just thought, absolutely, we have to get you on. So we'll go straight into it. So you had stage two womb cancer that was actually misdiagnosed as a gluten intolerance by your GP. It was so, so wildly misdiagnosed that they told you to take Activia for bloating, but you actually had a 500 gram tumor like in your womb. Tell me about that story. What the hell happened there? So I will start from the beginning. So Mm -hmm. I was living a very normal life. This was uh, pre-COVID. So I was just working so hard on my career, traveling a lot, socializing. I didn't have any symptoms. So I didn't realize that I have any problem. But suddenly I started becoming so bloated. My, My stomach was extremely bloated and sometimes I couldn't even sit down. So I went to see my GP. I explained about my, my symptoms, about my like what I was thinking that is wrong, actually, but she never took me very seriously. She was always guessing what the issue could be. And they usually, when you, when, whenever you explain that you are bloated, they put it down to gluten intolerance. So this was going on for four months. Every month I was going and I was explaining about the same issue, but she, she never even touched or examined my stomach. So she just told me to go to gastroenterologist after four months. So they did a gastroendoscopy, but they didn't find anything because they were checking in the wrong place. So just they told me to take Activia yogurt and to continue with my life as normal. And I did that. Oh, my goodness. This is how it started. Yeah. So the, wow. the most scary thing is that I had a cancer. But actually, as you said, the cancer was 500 grams. But like most of gynecological cancers, at the beginning, they're asymptomatic. So they don't have any symptoms. So imagine I have been carrying tumor, growing tumor in my body, which was 500 grams without noticing any symptom and bloating. Actually, my, my first symptom was, as I said, bloating, but actually the bloating is not a symptom from the cancer itself. It was, I was bloating because the cancer was too big because it was 500 grams. So I couldn't sit down. So that's mean I didn't have any symptom. Just I couldn't sit down because there was something in my body growing in my body. Oh my goodness. And so when uh, actually, and luckily I got the first symptom, which is common for uh, the most common for womb cancer, mm-hmm. which is bleeding between your periods. Yeah. And I started bleeding between my periods. And then I went to see, and luckily I saw another GP. So mm-hmm. she immediately, as soon as she heard that I had, uh, that I started bleeding between my periods, she said, go and see gynecologist then. But however, uh, in a week, I had to go, I, I had booked flight to go and surprise my sister in Macedonia. I'm originally from Macedonia for her birthday. So as soon as I arrived in Macedonia, I told my sister about my issues. So I said, like, uh, who is your gynecologist? Because in Macedonia, every woman has her own gynecologist and they go once a year. To oh, wow. See a gynecologist. Yeah. So because I know this and I asked my sister, who's your gynecologist? Because I have some issue. I have to go in and see, see her or them. So she told me and we immediately I went to see the gynecologist. So the gynecologist did the most, like the first exam that they do is called pelvic examination. So they Mm -hmm. examined my pelvic area. So as soon as she did the check, in like five minutes, she discovered that I had a huge tumor on my womb, which she told me was 14 centimeters long. (gasps) 14 centimeters. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
but when they when they're doing the pelvic examination they can't they can't diagnose they can't say it. it's a cancerous of course because they can yeah. just see it mm. but because she said it's too big if you carry it if you carry it for long she um, mm. she said you can damage your womb your womb and mm. uh, you won't be able to have children so she recommended me to remove it immediately yeah and because she said that and i was really worried about this and I was because I was in Macedonia already. My my family lives there, so I decided to stay in Macedonia, and to to go for the surgery in Macedonia. So I have the support from my family. Yes, of course. So this is how it all started, and so I was booked for the surgery very quickly in four yeah. days. Uh, the surgery was done, the tumor was removed, and it was sent for biopsy. And I I woke up intensive care. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy when I woke up because I was thinking the surgery is over because I've never had such a big surgery before. Mm-hmm. And soon after, the doctor came and gave mm-hmm. me the life-changing news. Dafina, mm-hmm. you have a stage 2 womb cancer that has spread to your ovaries. To save your life, you must have a one surgery this very mm-hmm. evening oh, to, wow. re- to remove all your reproductive organs. <gasps> Oh my goodness. So I didn't know anything. It was such a shocking news. Mm-hmm. And that, that meant that all my dreams that I had uh, for my big family one day disappeared in one second. Mm. So I just asked the surgeon, can I uh, preserve my eggs? Uh, they told me that the type of cancer I had, uh, which was called leomosarcoma, was a very rare type of cancer, which mm-hmm. only six out of one million women get it. Wow. Okay. And because it was very rare, and they said that this type of cancer is linked to too much estrogen in my body. Mm-hmm. So they were afraid to stimulate my ovaries because they were afraid that it might cause something else. Yeah. So that option was out of the question. And I was booked for surgery that very evening for the second surgery. Oh, my goodness. You didn't even have huge amounts of time to process it. It was like a matter of hours, essentially. Yes. And the doctors, they were very worried because it was a very rare type of cancer. Mm-hmm. So there isn't much research. They couldn't. They couldn't do much because they have. They have seen that the cancer has already started spreading to other organs. Yeah. How can we wait? Oh my goodness! Wow, Dafina, that's gosh. I so much to go through, and wow. I mean, if you hadn't have gone home as well to Macedonia, I don't even want to think about what what could have happened. <gasps> So since since that day, I uh, my life changed completely uh, mm-hmm. because because of the surgery. Uh, mm-hmm. I was put in the immediate surgical menopause. Yeah. So I had to go through uh, I had to go through early menopause at a, such a young age. Yeah. And I, I have to deal with all the consequences now from the early menopause. Yeah. And the other other big issue is that's why I'm so passionate and I want to I want to hopefully influence some changes here for women's health because even now something shocking happened to me mm-hmm. and after that I enter early menopause and we are not educated about menopause at all. Mm-hmm. So I enter as a, such a young woman at 35 into mm-hmm. menopause without any understanding of what is menopause, what is going on with my body, what I can do to prevent myself. And yeah. what is happening, actually, I couldn't understand. Because yeah. I entered, the transition to menopause was very sudden. So yeah. I started experiencing, and because all my organs were removed in one, like in one moment. Yeah, it wasn't gradual at all. It was just... My body was, was, was under shock. 
And mm-hmm. so I started getting all the symptoms immediately. I started the very that very evening kind of like I started getting the night sweats. I started mm-hmm. getting hot flashes immediately. Let's say after a month or something like that, I started getting uh, mood swings. Mm-hmm. So my body started changing, mm-hmm. uh, my mind started changing, and I didn't understand what's going on. I started yeah. wondering, am I becoming depressed? Like, I couldn't oh understand goodness. what's going on because I didn't know that I entered into menopause. Yeah. Because nobody explained to me what is going to happen to me after the surgery. Wow, my gosh. I mean, that is just so much to go through. Not only do you have to die, uh, do, do you have to kind of deal with the fact that you've had this diagnosis, then you also have to deal with the fact that there is, the suppose, potentially the feeling of feeling lucky that you went home when you did, but then also the fact that because you were here for so long and maybe if you were in Macedonia, it would have gone differently. There's just so much to process in that. Like, as well as the the physical symptoms, how how have you dealt with this emotionally? It was very hard. Uh, as everything happened, uh, very quickly as you mm-hmm. said I didn't have time to process anything actually and uh, in one day my life changed completely I entered mm-hmm. into early menopause in one day so my body started changing I lost the ability to have my own children mm-hmm. my mood started changing and as well uh, that time I was I was single so mm-hmm. there was another big question that started that I started asking myself about like if I meet someone, if he expect, uh, if he accept me as an infertile woman. Yes, yeah, yeah. Also, this fear of, of uh, rejection and loneliness was, was playing on my mind for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things that young woman that has to go through this kind of experience has to deal with on her own. Yeah, and, and how did... Yeah, how did you, like, have you been able to get support? How has that part of that journey been for you? Have you, have you been able to, like, go to therapy or, I don't know, go to support groups? I think, again, the very lucky thing was for me that I, I was in Macedonia. Mm-hmm. So I got the support from my family because mm-hmm. I stayed two months in Macedonia to recover. Yeah. So I was with my mom, with my sister, my father. So I had their support and their love and their care. And to be honest, I, I love them as well a lot. And I could see that they were already heartbroken because of everything that happened to me because they always wanted to have grandchildren. And they yeah. worried about my mental health, about me now. And just seeing them, that they were already suffering. I didn't want them to suffer. So I think I was trying to find all the strength inside of me and to recover as much as I can. So I don't want, I don't want my family to suffer because of me. So I think that's how I found the strength inside of me. Wow. And how have you been able to cope, like, since you've been back in the UK away from your family as well? Have you been able to lean on your friends uh, or other people that you may have found that have gone through the same thing? Yes. Uh, yes. I, my friends, they were supportive. And uh, again, <laughs> my mom came with me again to London. She oh, stayed nice. one more oh. month with me here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, that was a huge support again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my friends were very nice and supportive. Yeah. Oh, that's good that your mum came with you as well. I love that. <laughs> so worried, yes. Yeah. yeah. They wanted to make sure that I'm I'm fine before yeah. they left me alone. Oh, that's. I mean, that's that's what parents. That's what good parents do. That oh, God bless your mum. <laughs> like as a result of all this and this, my goodness, this wild time that you've been through. So how many years ago was that 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 happened? Oh, almost now, almost seven years ago. Seven years ago, my goodness. So. 
what has happened over the last seven years? Like what has changed in your life? Because now you've thrown yourself into campaigning. Like, please tell me what's been going on. So uh, after everything that happened to me, I started like, uh, of course, I was shocked at the beginning. I had to deal with everything that was going on in my life, emotionally, physically. So, but after after some time, I think after two years or after a year and a half, something like that, one, when I was, while I was doing actually my one of my MRI scans, because I had mm-hmm. to do my MRI scans very regularly after the operation, every three months for the first three years. Yeah, my goodness. And while I was doing one of my MRI scans, while I was lying there, because you have, the MRI scan is for 30 minutes, so you have lots of time to, to think about lots of different things. And I was just lying there, and I was thinking, how did I end up here? How did all, how did all this happen? All this happened to me. And how I just started wondering how nobody noticed that I had 500 gram of, uh, grams of tumor in, on my uterus, on mm-hmm. my womb. So then uh, suddenly I, I linked my uh, experience on break, back home in Macedonia, because as I told you in Macedonia, every girl, since she, uh, she gets her per- first period, she can go and see gynecologist once a year. Mm-hmm. So then I realized, oh my God, the women in the UK don't have this kind of chance. So they can all end up in this kind of situation like me, because in the UK, we don't have any preventative regular women's health checkups. Mm-hmm. So then it's when I got the idea that I have to start campaigning. I have to do something to change the current situation. Yeah. So then is when I got the idea to start a campaign for yearly women's health checkups uh, for all women in the UK from puberty. And the yeah, hashtag for the, yeah. for the petition is check me up. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. And then like, so you, I, I, I saw a little bit about your petition. You've had support from a lot of different people and organizations. Tell me about some of the places that are supporting this. The biggest support that I have got is from MPs. Three mm-hmm. MPs supported the petition, uh, which uh, it's really amazing that I started everything on my own. So I'm very grateful to get their support. I have got support from GPs and gynecologists, but I'm still waiting to get the support from some organization. Okay, and then why do you think that uh, women should have yearly checkups? Because obviously for you, they were, it would have caught that, but what kind of other what kind of other benefits are there for women to have yearly checkups? So there are so many benefits, uh, especially like, as I said, coming from Macedonia, I have completely different uh, perspective of women's health. Mm-hmm. Because just an example, in Macedonia, we with, our, with my friends, we were together booking the appointment to see a gynecologist. So we, we know that once a year we are going to see a gynecologist. So after that, we discuss everything about women's health. So this is how in Macedonia we have normalized this conversation about women's health and there is no any taboo around women's health. So I was really shocked uh, here uh, when, I, when I started exploring this issue, actually. I was shocked that women in the UK don't get any preventative checkup. And they, uh, apart from the smear test, actually, but the smear test, uh, so many women are not aware that smear test checks only for one type of gynecological cancer which is just the cervical cancer, but there are five gynecological cancers. So the, the cervical test is that checks for only one, and only 3,000 women diagnosed with cervical cancer once a year, but in the UK, but there are 18,000 women diagnosed with the other four types of cancer for which there are not any checks and screening. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Yes. 
So it's a big issue. So when I when I did my research, when I understood what's going on, I, I understood that it actually is a there is a huge gap in the woman's health care system here. So what are the other benefits? Uh, can diagnose issues very early, not just cancer, but other other um, other issues that uh, significantly significantly affects a woman's quality of life, such as endometriosis and fibroids, for which mm-hmm. there aren't any preventative checkups, right? Yeah. Uh, because when we go, when we go to our GPs, they're just playing kind of a guessing game with our health because we go and we talk to a general practitioner who has general understanding of everything or every issue. I'm not blaming them, but they're not trained in this area. So they're playing a guessing game with a life-threatening disease such as cancer. We don't have time to waste when it comes to cancer. We have to react quickly. But while we are playing this guessing game with GP, we are putting our life in danger. So our lives, women's lives, is in the hands of the GPs who are not trained in women's health at all. And I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm, I'm really shocked, yeah, that there are not any preventative checkups here in the UK to maintain good gynecological health. Because as I said, as I said, uh, the benefits. So early diagnosis to prevent the, uh, to. To, to pick the issue before it becomes very serious or even before be, we, before we realize that something is wrong with us. Mm-hmm. So this also is going to give a chance to women in the UK to have a space to discuss all problems around women's health with a specialist who will really understand them. So they, can, they will have a chance to discuss periods, sex, contraception, pregnancy, later in life, menopause, as I mm-hmm. said, is so important. We all go through it menopause and osteoporosis and by doing this by introducing this kind of yearly women's health checkups we will normalize the conversation so going to a women's health specialist is going to be something which is very normal like going to dentist and because again i'm going back to my example um with the gynecologist from macedonia because it's so normal in macedonia because my grandma has been going to gynecologist my mom has been going to gynecologist and for us it's so normal to talk about women's health and about the reproductive health it's so mm-hmm. normal i was shocked that here in the uk in one of the most developed countries in the world women the women are afraid to uh, to talk about their uh, their shame actually to talk mm-hmm. about their reproductive health about their bodies and I was really shocked when I understood that here, women, uh, half of the women don't know what vulva is. Vulva, <laughs> yeah. they don't know what vulva and vagina is, which is a really scary thing because if you have vulvas, what we have it between our legs. Uh, and so if you have an issue, you go to your doctor, you're talking about completely different uh, organ in your body, you're talking about vagina, actually you're referring to your vulva. And because the GP is not checking, he's just, they're going to guess what, the, what you have to take which doesn't make any sense. So we have a really huge issue to sort here in the UK. And by talking, as I said, by making it normal, by normalizing the conversation, we will break the old-fashioned taboo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I didn't realize that smear tests only actually detected one type of cancer. I had no idea until, the, until today. I had absolutely no idea. And it's like it's something actually it's like no I want to be checked for everything and we know that women's health is massively overlooked there are huge disparities in gender health care because so much previous 
research, etc. is done on men and it's done on boys and women are hugely overlooked with lots of different things. Even uh, the statistic of if you're a woman and you have a heart attack in a hospital, you're more likely to die just because the symptoms are slightly different. So even when you're in the care in front of a doctor, they, they could still miss it because the research isn't there, because we're not having conversations about women's health and because it's not being prioritised in the way that it should be. Yeah. And as you said, this for me, the biggest worries here is because I, I definitely urge all women listening to this, please don't miss your smear test. It's there to, to help you. But however, because women in the UK, they hear only about smear tests. They don't understand that there are other issues out there, that there are other gynecological cancers, because we only emphasize the importance of smear tests. But as I said, smear tests can can only detect the likelihood of one type of cancer, cervical cancer. But what about the others? So as I said, every year only 3,000 women are diagnosed with a smear test, uh, with a smear test, sorry, with a cervical cancer, but 9,000 women are diagnosed with a womb cancer. Why? Because there is no any preventative checkup. Why I ended up in this situation? Because I was, the tumor was growing inside of me, but I didn't have any symptoms because the cancer in the beginning is asymptomatic. And we are told in the UK to wait for our symptoms to develop and go to see our GP is so wrong. But the symptom mm. develop, that's mean the issue has developed. Yeah. And by the time we see our GP can be too late, like in my case, to mm-hmm. prevent my organs. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so bad, it's really bad, I'm so frustrated. Yeah, um, it's it is. I think so. I can understand why it is frustrating because it then it it it's not preventative medicine anymore, is it? It's not at all. There is no preventative medicine. There is no. Yeah. And would you suggest? Obviously, this is something that is only it's only going to be accessible to so few women. If women can afford to go to go privately. And obviously, I don't want to encourage people to not support the NHS. And obviously, you don't want to, oh, God, I just, just wish everything just worked better. But if they could can afford to go to a gynecologist, would you suggest that people go and book their own appointments in? The biggest gift that you can give yourself is mm-hmm. to go once a year to see a gynecologist. Because mm-hmm. I, I was researching just to see how much uh, they are. But yeah, the, the consultation in gynecologist is £150. Okay, yeah. And sometimes even going to a hairdresser can cost you 150 pounds. So what is more important? And Mm. we are told in the UK to go and see a dentist once a year, right? We are Mm. told to take our cars to MOT once a year. That is expensive too. So why not checking our bodies once a year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be good to have like a health MOT once a year and just have a good full checkup. Yes. And just make sure that everything's ticking along nicely, essentially. Working well, yeah to maintain good gynecological health. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh my goodness, I'm not gonna lie, after this, I'm gonna go online and book an appointment. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends actually, after listening to my story, she started uh, She started uh, wondering like, why am I so bloated for such a long time? And mm-hmm. she went to see a gynecologist, she discovered that she had a huge cyst on her ovary, which was 30 centimeters. What? Yeah, she was huge. She was 30 huge. centimeters. Yeah, yeah, and she had to remove the cyst and her ovary just by listening to my story. So we never know what we have inside because nobody's checking us. Oh my gosh, 30 centimeters is so big. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh my goodness. So all that time she just thought she was permanently bloated. Wow. My goodness. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I definitely get yourself checked out if you're able to, but obviously I appreciate that it's not accessible to everyone. So how can, how can women advocate for themselves at the, at the doctors if they feel that something is wrong or they want to get checked up and doctors are kind of blocking that? I mean, really, uh, here, I don't know, the GP, uh, the biggest worry is that they've been trained to be a gatekeepers. So we have to, that now, because I'm part of a few uh, Facebook groups about, you know, gynecological health and all the women, what I'm constantly listening uh, to is that they always say, I have to fight with my GP to be taken seriously, or mm-hmm. I have to pretend that I'm dying to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. So this is the biggest issue. We have a huge issue here in the UK because they don't understand women's health. So if you feel that something is not right, just don't give up. Push. Push for second opinion. And mm-hmm. again, I would say if you can afford it, go and, go and see a gynecologist and request to have a pelvic examination so they can see all your organs, your womb, your ovaries, your filament tubes. They can see your vagina. They can check mm-hmm. your vulva, everything. And even yeah. they can check your breast. They can touch your, your breast and check your breast. So this is one of the benefits of yearly women's health checkups. They can mm-hmm. teach you how to examine your breasts. Yeah, absolutely. And like you were saying, make it just part of everyday conversation. You're saying like in Macedonia where people are having those checkups, we know so much power comes from just discussing the things and normalizing and having conversations about what's happening to you. And you know, like when I, when I told my friends, that here mm-hmm. in the UK, yearly women health checkups don't exist. They couldn't believe me. They couldn't yeah. believe it. They was like, no, you have understood something wrong. That's not possible. How? How? Who checks the women? I was like, nobody. That's me. Oh they don't goodness. care. Nobody checks them. Yeah. Every, everyone is relying on our symptoms and to diagnose our symptoms on our own. Then to go. Yes. My goodness. Well, well, where can uh, people find out more about your about the petition and just find out more generally about gynecological health? Please, everyone, if you agree with this, sign the petition so we can we can make this uh, happen for all women in the UK together. You can find the petition on change.org under the hashtag check me up. Brilliant. And um, you said you're part of some groups online with like gynecological kind of health. I, I and... have a, yeah, a group, yeah. a Facebook group is called Yearly Women's Health Checkups too. They can find it like that or under the hashtag Check Me Up. And as well, mm-hmm. the Instagram page is hash, uh, uh, hashtag Check Me Up UK. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I mean, Dafina, that was, there's so much information. I'm so glad that you're okay and that you got through that experience particularly with the support of your family and your lovely mum um and thank you for taking something so monumental and then turning into you know kind of really using it as a force for good and something that could help so many women and save so many lives it's not just about saving your organs genuinely this is like this will save lives and it's oh, it's I amazing. I will share a shocking statistic that mm-hmm. uh, every year in the UK, almost um, more than twenty one thousand women are diagnosed with gynecological cancers. Mm-hmm. This means fifty eight women per day are diagnosed, of which twenty one die per day <gasps> of gynecological cancer. Stop it! Twenty one. This is so sad, so scary, and terrible, and is not taken seriously. And we are still we are still ignoring the women where they're complaining about their women's women's issues. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. So, well, let's just get that stat again. So 21,000 women a year diagnosed with gynecological cancers. Yeah. 
58 per day. Or which 21 die per day. Because they're diagnosed very late. Who is going to yeah. diagnose them? Who? Yeah. Nobody. And the lesson here is, if you are able, go to a gynecologist. And if you uh, suspect anything is wrong, push, push, push and at the doctors. please don't be afraid. I, I feel mm-hmm. really I feel really sad when I hear that women are afraid even to go to here for their um, smear test. Mm. It's there for you to help you, to save your yeah. life. Don't be afraid. Uh, like just like I, by hearing my story uh, just yeah you know all my consequences now what i have to go through i, mm. I lost the ability to have my own children i can't have my own family i i'm going through now uh consequences from early menopause such as they already the early menopause affected my bones my bones started declining because oh nobody goodness. prepared me how to enter into menopause nobody told me that i have to increase the amount of vitamin d i take the calcium mm. Because mm-hmm. that, I don't have anything to support me. And plus now, another thing is that, at, as I told you, the cancer I had was linked to too much estrogen in my body. Mm-hmm. And because of that now, I'm not allowed to take HRT. So I don't have any support. Any support. So I have to deal with all the consequences of, of the menopause on my own. So I'm looking for a way through natural remedies, exercises. How can I maintain this body strong now mm. and healthy? And to keep my bones as well strong and healthy. I already entered in osteopenia, which is the first first step to osteoporosis. My goodness. So yeah. that's why don't be afraid to do these checks. They can just help you to have a much better life and longer life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My goodness. And also just clearly where possible, we really need to learn about our bodies. Like uh, my friend Amy wrote a book called Moody, which is about hormones. And it's about hormones that are throughout your life. And it's a book I recommend everybody read. I have learned so much about the endocrine system and how it affects women. And it's it's just like, honestly, the information just blows my mind every time. And I constantly go back to it and refer to it. But this is information that we should be taught from school. This is vital for women. From school and even, as I said, this is one of the benefits as well. Education. We don't have any. Women are not educated about their women's health. They don't mm. understand it. Absolutely. And we need to be. It's that the, just even things from choosing the right bra and the importance of bras fitting you right through to understanding your your menstrual cycle right through to understanding menopause it's just that things that they just at no point is any of this taught to us properly exactly as i I told you that we don't understand that there are five gynecological cancers and for example as i said one of them is vulva cancer which is Mm -hmm. vulva is the organ that we can see as i said between our legs but even monthly or even weekly if you can just check your vulva yeah and you can notice if there is something wrong with your vulva yeah we are not educated even to do this simple checkup so people talk about now like of course um i agree check your breasts but what about check your vulva yeah what else are we missing what else aren't we being told that's what i want to know now (laughs) yes uh no, just, just it's very shocking that we are just talking here in the UK just about one type of gynecological cancers. What about the other that represent the bigger amount of gynecological cancers among women? Yeah. My goodness. Well, my gosh, Dafina, thank you so, so much for joining me today. And we'll definitely have to get you back on to find out more about the campaign and for us to just learn more about our bodies because, whoa, my mind is blown. Uh, thank you for taking the time out. Thank you so much for having me and for giving me a chance to share this important 
estive alguma salto e todas as vezes. for listening to speak on make sure you like subscribe and share with your friends family co-workers strangers in the street to find out more about us including our upcoming events head over to instagram instagram.com forward slash speak on underscore bye